Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor, and Kirk Waltz. Good morning and welcome to Hunt Life Outdoor Show. I'm Jeff Lagerman, and we have a, a full house where we are today. It's just Christmas time. Merry Christmas to everybody, and Merry, and Merry Christmas, Christmas to you, Kevin Favor, and Kirk Waltz. Good morning. Good morning. We're, we're here this morning. We're, we're here this morning, we're, and, you know, it, it's the holiday season. It, it's one of my favorite times of year, and, and, and we actually are. Because uh, you're off. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> off. And uh, we're having like a little Christmas get-together here for in our market, you know, and we wish we could have all of our listeners from across the country join us here today, and obviously that's not possible. No. It's the Christmas time of year. But uh, to all of our listeners, all of our affiliates across the country, thank you uh, for joining the Hunt Life Outdoor Show every uh, weekend morning that you possibly can, and, and also Merry Christmas to everybody. Yeah, and, and boy, what a I mean, successful year has been for the Hut Life Outdoor Show itself, Jeff, as in, you know, it, like you said, it, thank you to so many of the affiliates around the country who have picked up our show. Well, and, and most importantly, thank you to, to all of the guests that we had this year. You yeah. know, and this show is, is kind of a, I guess you could say, a collection of some of the fantastic guests that we have had this year. And uh, we've had some good ones. I mean, and went across the spectrum from, from hunting, fishing to, heck, Commercial fishing, you name it, we, we've had them all. Yeah. yeah, we had Andy Hillstrand and music, Gary LaVox, you know, and the one thing that I think we all share that's certainly very clear from, from our guests is that we all share a passion for the outdoors, and, and we know that our listeners share the same passion as well. And, you know, we, we've heard some phenomenal stories, and one of my favorite guests of all time was one of the captains from the deadliest catch, Andy Hillstrand, you know. and From the time bandit. Oh, man. Yeah. He's, well, you know, <laughs> while you awesome. talk about how, how a, a guy can go from, you know, anonymity to rock star status. Yeah. You know, we had a chance to meet the captains from the deadliest catch when they came to our town and had their little captain special. And uh, and Andy's my favorite yeah, absolutely. on the show, and, yeah. and we had a chance to have him on. and. And while we had him on, he talked about some of the brutal storms that they faced while crabbing. You know, the the biggest seas I've ever been in is uh, they were about um, 60 to 80 foot seas wow. all day long. And uh, I got hit by a rogue wave that was a 100 footer. And it, I thought it was going to kill me. I actually looked at it and said, so this is what it's like to die. Wow. And uh, it went all around our windows and about blew out every window that I had there. But, uh, you know, thank God the old uh, baby was tough as hell and uh, and we got through it. So, I mean, the perfect storm, and obviously that's computer-enhanced photography, you actually see waves that huge out there that are that, that giant. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, thank God we don't see them all the time. And, uh, you know, usually we're out in 40 to 50-foot seas. Wow. That's usually what we see. And that's, uh, you know, when they start getting up to 60, that's when you get in, you know, real bad trouble, and you got to really watch it because it just, it's like a freight train coming at your boat. I mean, I've had my bow smashed in before with waves. So we've had to go to the shipyard and fix that. You know, it's just uh, Mother Nature, you know, like they say, it's not nice to mess with Mother Nature. They ain't kidding. Well, I, mean, I, can't, I can't imagine no, that. No, you know, I, I can't either because all of us, all three of us spend a lot of time on the water besides the woods. 
and and dude, I mean, I've seen some big waves, but when you're talking sixty, I've feet, never that's seen anything crazy. like that. You know, we're, we all loved offshore fish, and, yeah. and we're fishing in boats that range from twenty to you know thirty foot for the most part. Right. Every now and again, we we get fortunate enough to get invited on a forty foot boat, you right. know, a nice sport fishing boat. But but when what the kind of seas that they're talking about, that's a whole different world. Oh, when you're talking about smashing in one inch steel with a wave yeah. of water. Yeah, one inch steel. That's, that's what he was talking about right there. That's heavy. I mean, when you think about it, how many times have you canceled a charter because it's three to five? He's, yeah. He, he's talking or 40, less. 40 to 60. Well, I mean, you, the uh, one I comfort mean, that they have is that, you know, unlike other boats, you know, most boats are bought. They built their yes, boat with That's their right. father from right. the ground up. And here's a clip from Andy Hillstrand about the actual construction of the Time Bandit. Yeah, you know, when, when we worked with our dad, our dad was a screamer. I mean, you could do nothing right with that guy. But, you know, God love him. But uh, so in 91, when we decided to build this boat, he said, okay, I'll help you out, you hot shots. And he had five boys involved in that boat when we first built it. We had five brothers total. And so we, we, started, we built that boat in nine months, and we had our hands on every piece of equipment on that boat cleaning out tanks and stuff, and uh, started out in debt at $1.9 million. And so uh, he goes, there's no way you'll ever make it. And uh, and uh, so lo and behold, uh, you know, he thought he was going to get the boat back and then he was going to have us underneath the sum again. But we uh, pulled it off, and, uh, and and by the time it's all said and done, we paid $3.2 bucks for the boat because, you know, we had to buy out two brothers. So, um, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of what we've done. And my, my old man was proud of us too, so it, we take uh, – Umbridge did anybody say we were given anything in our lives because that's not the way it was, you know. So you could say that they yeah. didn't have a silver spoon. Yeah, no, no. And, and, and they, <laughs> i tell you what, they take that personally, too. I mean, oh, they, they should. They, yeah, because they've they worked hard to uh, earn that boat. Well, and, oh, yeah. and, and for those that uh, maybe just be joining us, that was Captain Andy Hillstrand of the Time Bandit of Deadly, Deadliest Catch fame. And, uh, you know, our you know, guest range from you know tv stars that were just commercial guys all the way to, to really the music industry and the music industry is huge and the one thing that's for certain about country music is that country music has guys that are passionate about the outdoors and we were very fortunate to get the lead singer of rascal flats on and, and gary lavox may be one of my favorite guests of all time you know when when we interviewed him jeff it was uh it, it was it was interesting first off that that he was like you know I guess like his agent was like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And he's like, "Absolutely, absolutely." And he's you know, one. Of, he's one of us. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. He's, he's an outdoorsman. And, and when we talked to him, dude, he was riding around in his truck checking trail cameras. And yeah. and, and, and he's he's no different than anybody in America. Yeah. You know, they dream about big bucks. Yeah, exactly. You know, and Gary Lavox was fortunate enough to hunt a buck in Illinois that was world class, 172 incher. And here's Gary Lavox, the lead singer of Rascal Flats. I killed a 172 with my bow in Illinois, Oof. and that was that was awesome you know it flooded i was with david blanton from real tree there and i was with david blanton and you know the it had flooded so bad that the, the ohio river was raising like two feet a day so every stand set we had we could even get to it even on argos so we ended up finding this place it was just a magical thing you know we went up that he had lunch found this farmer called me told me that we we thought you know because the land we were gonna hunt didn't have from but you know it was we couldn't even get to the stand farmer told us we could come out and we actually just Went out and hung a set to scout that that evening to see even see if there were any deer on that place. It was a cattle farmer, and he was like, "I don't, you know, I see deer, but I don't, I couldn't tell you what I got out there." So we set up, to, you know, got up there, hung the set, climbed out at three o'clock. Things were closed. Climbed right back up the tree, and I shot that 172 at at four four ten. So, and 
hour later, I'd shot a, a Boone and Crockett with my bow. So that'll always have a special place in my heart. Boy, and, and, you know, I would love to have that opportunity one day. Oh, yeah. You know, to be like Kevin <laughs> and travel the world yeah, and, and the hunt world. big bucks. Yeah, it's fun. Until until I get a job in baseball, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You know, but the the other thing, too, that we're very fortunate in that, the, you know, all three of us are on the Mossy Oak Pro Staff. Yes. And uh, we really believe in what Mossy Oak stands for. In this past summer, we had an opportunity to go to the Mossy Oak Pro Staff meeting. And it's not the first time that, that at least it wasn't for me, to meet Toxie Hayes, right. the founder and CEO of Mossy Oak. Uh, but he's an incredibly driven man. Oh, it, uh, just sitting there talking to him, and, and you, you and I have had this conversation a lot because you know I've I've been to two or three of these meetings now, and that was the first time you've been there. It's just to be able to sit down and talk to him about land, about you know getting kids into hunting. Uh, you're right; he's a very driven person. Well, and and, and Kirk, uh, you haven't had the chance to spend much time with him, but when you meet him, the one thing that you learn about him, his mind goes a million miles miles a minute. <laughs> well, it's got to as big and, as his business is, and and he and he and he just goes off into a million different directions. But the one direction that it always comes back to is about taking care of the land, and here's Toxie Hayes talking about taking care of the land. What I wanted to be sure and point out to people, it does not matter if you've got four acres or 40 acres or 4,000 acres, and you shouldn't even compare it to anybody. You've got your spot to work on. Uh, there's nothing like it, and, and, and as uh, the, the ad we had with Bob in it a long time ago said, I love it. It's like in Mossy Oak, you know, there's two seasons. There's hunting season, and then there's getting ready for hunting season. Mm-hmm. And if you get that, and we're fixing to launch in the 1st of July, probably one of our biggest initiatives, and uh, and actually brands within the Mossy Oak brand is called, I'm looking at it there, the Gamekeepers of Mossy Oak uh, television show will start airing in July. Uh, it'll be on Wednesday nights on the Pursuit Channel. It's going to be really exciting. But it kind of gives everybody that's behind the scenes sneak peek at the culture here in that, tw- you know, 24 7, 52 weeks out of the year lifestyle of living and loving. And, when you, and you know, it, it can be your hunting club or you could actually own land. It does not matter. Yeah. But getting to live that all the time and getting ready for it. You know what? And it actually includes fishing too, you know, because, you know, whether you have fish on the lake or you especially have your own pond to work on. What a full life it is. Well, and you know, it's it's always fun to have somebody when when they're on the radio show with us sitting there right there with us because yeah. you can feel the passion. You know, and one guy that we've never had to sit with to feel the passion, it's Hank Parker because people know that he's passionate. He's got his own television show and he talked about tournament fishing in which you need the passion to be able to be a tournament sure. fisherman. Here's Hank Parker. You know, I meet with a lot of kids that ask me, how am I going to do what you did? How am I going to become a professional fisherman? And how am I going to compete? And how can I be one of the top guys? And the very first ingredients you got to have is just a passion. I mean, you got to have a passion that's beyond reason. you got to fish. Like you go to a tournament and you fish for 10 days and you come home and you have a day off and you want to go fishing on your day off. That's the kind of passion i think that it takes to to be competitive and once you have that passion then you've got to learn a lot and 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 everybody sets their own strategy and fishes to their own strength but you've got to learn how to be a tournament fisherman you've got to learn how to set strategies and all of that comes if you have the passion but uh you know, a lot of guys will go out there and fish six or eight hours, and they don't catch any fish, and they're worn out, and they want to quit. Right. Man, that's what motivates me. When I fish six or eight hours, and I ain't caught any fish, and I still got five or six hours of daylight, I'm still as pumped up as I was at, at, in the morning when I started. 
trying to figure out what's going on and how to catch these fish. And that's the kind of dedication that it takes to be able to figure it all out and put it together and set strategies to be competitive. Well, and, and Hank Parker, probably the most memorable line that he had for me mm-hmm. was when he talked about favorite baits. Because right. for me, we get stuck in a rut. Oh, yeah. You know, we always huh? kind of rely. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All the time. <laughs> On certain baits. And here's Hank Parker talking about giving up your favorite bait. I tell people every day when I do seminars, there's two things. One question is, what is the one tip you could give me that would make me a better fisherman? And I tell people without a doubt, out of every place I've been and all the things that I've done, the one tip that I could give you that make you better is get rid of that job. That J-O-B will mess you up the more time you spend on the water. And other than that, don't take your go-to bait with you for one year, and you will be a better fisherman at the end of the year. People depend on a bait. They get a favorite bait. I do not have a favorite bait. That's a great I don't have a go-to bait deliberately. It used to be a spinner bait, and I, I learned that if you have a bait that you depend on that is your favorite bait, you will gravitate toward that when it doesn't really make sense. It's not the best bait. A lot of people get hung up on like rattle traps or lipless crankbaits, and they fish for two hours with a worm or with a spinner bait or with a topwater bait or a jigging spoon or whatever uh, makes sense for the application. And after about two hours of not catching a fish, to heck with it, they just start throwing that rattle trap because that's what they have confidence in. Get away from that. Don't don't leave that favorite bait you have at home for one year, and I promise you, you'll learn to be more versatile. And that's what I had to do. I I literally did that with a spinner bait for a year. Hank Parker's a better man than me. Yeah. Well, I like. I am not leaving my favorite bait at home for a year. <laughs> his attitude is is run to win, not to finish. Yeah, but but there is a big difference between bass fishermen. And, and what we do. And saltwater fishing, salt which fishing. is what we do mostly. Yeah. We I do mean, both, but, but yeah. we're mostly saltwater. I mean, because when you get into a guy that, that, that bass fishes, right. he's got 10 rods. He's got 10 different lures on each rod, and he's got a tackle box full of 50 lures. Yeah, but you know you what? You ever see my tackle box? I, <laughs> it's great It's great advice, but I guarantee you if you, if you, if you polled the tournament fishermen from across the country, 99% of them would not do what Hank Parker I, I, had said. But I think that's what's made him great. Yeah. Uh, Some great clips here. And, and folks, uh, you're listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show with me, Jeff Loggum, and Kevin Favor and Kirk Walsh. We're going to take a break. We come back. We got more from some of the outstanding guests that we have had this year in 2011. As a deer hunter, I think this happens to us all. You're sitting in your stand and you catch a glimpse of a huge buck. It happens to be the same buck that fills your dreams and your trail cameras. When you saw him during bow season, he was just out of reach. During gun, he was chasing a doe and moving too fast. You've done everything possible to take this buck. You've moved stands, moved trail cameras. You've taken time off work you shouldn't have. You even missed your niece's wedding. This buck consumes your thoughts. As a matter of fact, there's times when your wife is talking to you, and even though you're looking right at her and shaking your head, you're thinking, man, I wish I had to move that stand on the creek bottom and not on that food plot. You hunt day after day, pass up deer after deer, and then it happens. The last day of deer season goes by, and you still have a tag in your pocket. During turkey season, you find his sheds and your spirits soar. Starting about August, you put out your trail cameras. About two weeks into it, you finally get a picture of him. He is alive and still around. You look at that picture and you say, game on. If this has ever happened to you, you need to be a part of Hunt Life. Visit HuntLife.com. America's number one camo pattern just got better. 
all-new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequal, effective design. Together, they break up Hunter's outline like never before. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. It's not a passion, it's an obsession. Some of America's bravest warriors are returning home wounded. Here's one of them. My name is Norberto Lara. While I was on a combat patrol, a rocket propelled grenade took my arm off at the shoulder. I was discharged from the Army, and I've been working with the Wounded Warrior Project since 2007. You don't have to be severely wounded. A lot of guys have post-traumatic stress disorder. Being able to share your story kind of helps you wrap your mind around what did happen over there. My name is Norby, and yes, I do suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, but I'm okay. Don't suffer in silence. Contact WoundedWarriorProject.org. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And welcome back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. I'm Jeff Loggum along with Kevin Favor and Kirk Waltz. And some great clips there from some of the outstanding guests. And, and first and foremost, want to wish a very Merry Christmas to all of our listeners, yes. all of our affiliates, and uh, all of our family and friends. And, and you know, we uh, continue to, to kind of mix in some of the great guests that we've had from 2011 and as we approach 2012. And, you know, as we've had some of these guests, you know, sometimes it's hard for them to really kind of give you some of that inside information. Right, right. You know, with celebrities. Right. But some of our guests really, uh, I thought, were pretty honest. <laughs> Gary LaVox, the lead yeah. singer of Rascal Flats, you know, when I was uh, getting ready to have him on the show, I was looking at, you know, all of the stuff from Rascal Flats and seeing what their tour schedule was. And it was, I came up with something that was a little suspicious. And here's Gary LaVox, the lead singer of Rascal Flatts. I'm looking at your tour dates, and I said, huh, the the, the, the tour ends September 18th, and you know what? Postseason up, opens up in a lot of states about that time. Is that a coincidence? No, uh, that pretty much gives away who does the schedule. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah, we usually try to finish up uh, right at the beginning of postseason or just maybe – you know, maybe a, a a week or two into October, but well, it would be. You know, it's uh, we've been blessed enough to be able to been able to adjust our schedule. And my partners, you know, Jay and Joe Donner, they've always been really cool with me because that's such a huge important part of my life. That uh, you know, I like look. You know what? I'll give you. You know, the, the end of season starts in January, so any time after that, I will give all that I can give up until that point. But I've got to have. October, November off, and you know that late season great too. God, yeah, must I, be nice. I, I need a job like that. <laughs> yeah, so don't uh-huh. we all? Yeah, to where we can work the schedule around deer seasons across the country. Take oh, off October, November. Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh-huh. You know, we we had another guest that really kind of was uh, we didn't know much about him. Yeah, you know, in, until we uh, we were given a tip by our producer Chris. Yeah, and he said, "Hey, man, this might be a guy that you want to get on." And his name is Matt Stutzman. And he's the I guess the term is the armless archer. I mean, yes. this is a guy yeah. that set a record for long-distance shooting, and he has no arms. And, I and, and due to personality, uh, like, personality it, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And here's Matt Stutzman on the secret to his success as an armless bow hunter. The secret of archery with your feet, I guess, when you're, when you're hunting, is that the animals see you and they're like, what is a guy without arms going to do? <laughs> <laughs> and then they just come right in and shoot right. <laughs> Like 10, 12 yards, actually. So, uh, no, on, on a serious note, I guess, uh, I practiced pretty hard on that. And as far as, as far as when I learned how to 
how to shoot a bow and, and that type of thing. Um, to me, drawing a bow is part of my everyday life, I guess. I guess what I try to say is that it's just as easy. It's actually easier for me to shoot a bow than I guess it would be someone with, with arms. Right. Be- because I don't have, in fact, I have a lot less motion going on. Once my bow is up to my release, all they have to do is push my legs straight forward. Whereas, you know, most people got to stand up and then they got to, they have the pushing forward and pulling backwards, you know, with their back arm and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's really simple, I guess. Yeah. Right. Simple. I don't think so. I don't think there's such a thing if you don't have arms and you're one yeah. of, you're a world class archer. Yeah. yeah, what a positive attitude. Oh, great attitude. And, and I wasn't there because I was going to a hunter safety class. That's and, right. And it was one of the best shows I've ever listened to. And I'm talking uh, not he, because it's our show. Yeah, No, he was fantastic. He was fantastic, yeah. and it was a joy to listen to him. And, you know, one of my favorite all-time guests and one of my favorite people of all time yes. is the president of Mossy Oak, Bill Suck. He's got a personality that he can walk into a room, and even though he's a president of a big-time, you know, I guess you could say worldwide company, sure. because Mossy oh, sure. Oak is, yeah. he's just got a personality about him that you, you almost think you've known him your entire life. You, you, you feel like his son. Yeah. I mean, you do. I mean, he just makes you feel incredible. And when, when, when we got to sit down with Bill Sugg and Toxie Hayes, Bill took us back to those early days when they first started selling Mossy Oak. When we would go to the sporting goods stores and it was late in the year and they'd already placed their order and we were trying to, trying to get them to look at what we'd come up with. I thought we had a great idea. And they'd say, look, we don't need any camo right now. I said, well, I finally learned you had to get your foot in the door before you could show it to them. And before I'd go in the store, I'd pick a tree. Most of them were in small country towns or in the city, and I'd, I'd tack up some bottom land. So I'd go in, and I learned after a while they're probably going to turn you down right off the bat. So I'd say, well, I just need your opinion. We think we've got a good idea, but we need you to help us tell us what works. And I'd come out, and I'd say, what do you think about this pattern that we've come up with? And they'd go, what pattern? And from then it was downhill wow. on a grease slide. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah. Love him. He's great. You know, and, and Andy Hillstrand, the captain of the deadliest catch, uh, to me is, uh, I mean, the rock star status now, and a lot of people think because people are on TV they're extremely wealthy. Mm-hmm. And Captain Andy Hillstrand had some comments that would conflict with that statement. That's the big illusion. Everybody thinks that we're really rich off of writing books and uh and that we're really rich off the show, and we we made about five grand off our book. <laughs> so it's just, uh, you know, you live and learn, though. It's uh, When we first got into this, I was fishing 25 years before I even got on a TV show. And, uh, you know, everybody promises you the world, oh, you're a millionaire, you're a millionaire, and uh, I've yet to see it. But it's been a great experience. I, I wouldn't change it for nothing because we've got to do the coolest things. We have to go meet the coolest people, you know, so it's pretty darn awesome. Well, and what's awesome for the fans of the Deadliest Catch is some of the practical jokes sure. that, that they play on one another. Because, I mean, the, the guys that are on the TV show, I mean, a very, very tight-knit group, with yeah. one exception, which we'll yeah, have we, a right. clip of that here in a minute. But here's Captain Andy, Hill, Andy Hillstrand talking about practical jokes on the Deadliest Catch. We never really think, oh, let's do this, do that, except for the, the Chinese lanterns. We, you can see this year I've seen Sig panicking twice. He couldn't understand why all these lights were there. He thought it was a big freighter. And stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it looks like alien. You know, when you when you see these lights and they're out in the sky and, and there's 40 of them to 100 of them, um, and it just was amazing. And 
the weather laid right down. We snuck in underneath. All of our lights were off. We were within a quarter mile of him. He was just actually panicking because he thought he was going to die. <laughs> but there's a lot of pranks you guys don't see, and that's what we talk about at the show. Lots of stuff people don't see. It's like, you know, so we stole all the cigarettes one time off his boat. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, so then Norman came over and took industrial food coloring dye and put blue dye in our tank, our fresh water. So no we way. had blue. Yeah, yeah. So Jonathan turned blue until he, he <laughs> yeah, looked like Smurfs. Like that. Is that oh yeah, Bruce Smurfs? Smurf. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah. classic. Hey, but you know, I remember that clip when we were talking about uh, Captain Sick Hansen. Yeah. Uh, of, of of of, I'm trying to think of the name of the boat. Uh, the Northwestern. North the Northwestern. Yeah. And and he. he He's in one of those grinds where he's been up for like 72 hours right. or, you know, 100 chain hours. Smoking or the whole yeah, thing. chain yeah. smoking. Yeah. And, and when the Hillstrands played that joke with the floating lanterns on that, I mean, he was out of his mind. He was out of his mind. With, tired, with, yeah. with being tired, and, and that, that was funny. Still, but Still the greatest practical joke on that show, though, was when they, when they put the car on, on, on the trap, on, on the on trap, trap, trap line. That's yeah. hilarious. And Captain Phil pulled it up. That was, that was awesome. Well, we had said they're a tight-knit group, yeah. but uh, there, there's one captain that's yeah, not so no. tight-knit, tight-knit as far as uh, amongst the captains from the Deadliest Catch. And here's, here's Captain Andy Hillstrand talking about that guy. Well, you know, here's the deal. Yeah, you know, I went to the bar, and I was playing the songs for everybody. It was just after Phil passed away, so, and it was the day before the king crab season. Uh-huh. So, you know, um, Sig had actually messed with those guys, Monty, the night before. And he told him that he's not going to go back on the show, you know, unless these guys just get paid a, you know, a buttload of money. And uh, so, he, you know, he was just messing with Monty. And uh, so Mont- and then we got signed the next day to come back on the show. So uh, we were at the bar, and Monty was sitting there pretty upset about that, I guess, or something. And uh, he had a few drinks, and uh, they closed the bar down. And I walked outside, and he called me a, a explicative, and I called him an explicative. And next thing I know, he tried to punch me in the face. Ooh. So I blocked it with my guitar, and his, his knuckles blew wide open. And then the next thing I know, uh, he's coming at me again, and I tapped him on the shoulder, and I my guitar hit him back. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so then... Uh, I hate I, when uh, they do that. Yeah, then uh, another guy jumped me from the wizard, uh, and I that's when the neck flew out of my hand. <laughs> and uh, and then Keith choked me from behind. So uh, so uh, then the cops were there and broke it up. But, I mean, you know, we're blown off steam, but uh, it was just like I didn't want nobody to go to jail. And so we just all... Just called it good, and the next day I went over to their boat, and I said, you know what, do we have a problem? Because I'm not one for, like, conflict, you know, if it's right. going to happen, let's just do it. And uh, so the, Monty said he was being an a-hole, and, uh, you know, sorry about that. And, uh, <laughs> we all just went fishing. You know, every show needs a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, and, and Keith he, from The Wizard, yeah. he's a bad guy. Yeah. You know, and, and some of our guests that we've had along the way have been great, and some of them kind of give the impression that they are what they are. And, and Babe Winkleman, kind uh-huh. of a grumpy old man. And here's Babe Winkleman. <laughs> did he say that? Yeah. Everything in nature is cause and effect. Something happened, and the critters react to it. They do not think. That doesn't mean they're not intelligent. Believe me, some of them are incredibly intelligent, particularly the, some of the old bucks. Um, but it's not intelligence that's taking over. It's finely tuned, finely honed instincts, the survival instinct. You know, I mean, the law of the land, God's law, is survival of the fittest. That's right. Imagine how humanity would be changed if that would be the case. We're, mm-hmm. we're sitting in a country with um, 50-some percent of our population living on entitlement programs. There's Absolutely. no entitlement program for the deer. 
or for a pheasant or for anything else. If he doesn't live by his wits and outsmart everything that's trying to kill him, he winds up being lunch. I mean, if humanity and said, okay, there is no more welfare, there's no more ADC, there's no more handouts, there's no more entitlement whatsoever, you got to do it on your own. Half of the people in our own country wouldn't know how to feed themselves. We sit back and think that we're so damn good and smart that we are the stewards of the earth. And we talk about that kind of crap all the time. Well, the earth did fine for 20 million years before we got here, and it'll do fine for 20 million when we're gone. It doesn't need us at all to make the scheme work. <laughs> oh, boy. I love him. Yeah, you think he's fired awesome. up? I love yeah. him. He was fired up. Oh, he, he just kind of went off on that tangent. And, and, I love it. You know, Kirk and I, because you, again, you, you were off that day, but Kirk and I, we just let oh, him I go. Listened, I listened to the whole thing. I, I know. I just, he just, we hilarious. didn't even ask him any questions. That was he Babe was, Winkleman. Was awesome. And boy, if, if anybody's in the outdoors and doesn't know Babe Winkleman, yeah. you don't know the outdoors. And you're listening to the Hunt Life Outdoors show with me, Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor, and Kirk Waltz. Merry Christmas to everybody. We come back more of the best of the guests from 2011. After sweating it out all afternoon, I have finally accepted that no turkey of any kind lives within a mile of where I'm sitting. Time to pack it in. And just in time to get a text from Joe. He's wrapping it up, too, with tags filled. Ouch. But as I throw in the towel, it hits me. In just 30 minutes, I'll be back at camp. We'll all settle in, kick back, talk about the day, cheer our successes, and cheer our failures best thing is we'll do it all with a spirit of friendship and fellowship it's the fellowship of hunters everywhere safely home from the hunt without a doubt this is the hunt life check out the online store at huntlife.com for t-shirts hats bumper stickers and more that show everyone you live the hunt life and with so many items under twenty dollars you'll find a few great christmas gifts for all the hunters in your life visit the online store at huntlife.com now you want to get really close to critters this fall, then you'll have to try all-new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. Twelve years of research give it unequaled, effective design. Together, they represent the most dramatic, high-tech leap in the history of camo. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak, America's number one camo pattern just got better. Let fish and wildlife biologist Scotty Brown's 25 years of experience work for your property with Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management. They help landowners on developing and managing properties where recreational fishing and or hunting is the priority. Their lake management services include fish population sampling, electrofishing, water analysis, vegetation establishment or reduction, lake design or renovation, and long-term management strategies for your water body's future. Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management installs and repairs aeration systems, fountains, fish and game feeders, and their own design, Forever Tree Fish Attractors. They're experts in keeping small public water bodies and retention ponds in housing developments and golf courses working properly. So if you're looking to improve your property's aquatic resources, call Scotty Brown at Southern Sportsman Aquatics and Land Management at 214-383-3223. That's 214-383-3223. I've been a member of the Federation for 18 years. The Federation stands for good stewardship of the resources and preserving our hunting heritage. 
through those efforts, I want my kids to be able to enjoy the same privilege that I have. My father joined the Federation for me, and I've done the same for my children. Jake's women in the outdoors and wheeling sportsmen. They want to be the best conservation organization in the world. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoors show. And welcome back to the Hunt Life Outdoors show. Jeff Lagerman, Kevin Favor, Kirk Waltz, three Mossy Oak pro staffers that uh-huh. uh, are absolutely addicted to equipment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh. You know, there, there's nothing better than, than getting the catalog every year. Toys. And seeing what's new. You know, and, and we've been fortunate that we've been able to go to the shot shows and, yes. and the fishing version of that to see kind of what the latest and greatest is. And this past summer, we got to go to the Mossy Oak Pro Staff meeting where a lot of the uh, the manufacturers, the companies actually were there to show us before it hit the market yeah, a the lot of the products. Yeah, you know, that's and, right. Uh, from loophole to... You know, Rocky Boots to Remington Guns. I mean, you name it. We got to see it all. Yeah, Gerber Knives. I mean, everything. Yeah, and we're still looking forward to seeing the new Gerber yeah. uh, snips. They're yeah. going to be coming out this spring, That uh, some of the input that they got from sure. us at, at, in West Point. You know, and, and as part of that, you know, our guests that we've had on the show, we always ask them about the equipment that they use because, you know, we feel like we can become better outdoorsmen if we can learn from some of the best. And sure. Babe Winkleman is one of the best. You got to understand, and into the seventies, there was so darn little known about fishing in comparison to what there is today. Our equipment was so archaic. I remember when I got my first sonar unit, I thought it died, and went to heaven. My God, now you could see the bottom. I used to use uh, a piece of string with a bolt or a rock tied on it to find what the bottom was made of. Or you know, you go along an edge. I take bleach bottles, and uh, you know what the Hylix bleach bottles are. Sure. They're yes, sir. big one-gallon white bottles. Well, I had about 50 of them, and I'd, uh, I had a 15-foot piece of twine string tied on them to, uh, with an old farm bolt or something on the bottom. And I'd go out across the lake and drop these things off about every 100 feet or so and let the wind take them in the shore, and they would mark out the edge. They'd mark off the drop-offs. And then I'd go along that drop-off with a, with a, a big heavy bolt and a string, and you could find the areas that had hard bottom or soft bottom or mud or gravel or whatever it was a tremendous amount of work to try and find how to find the fish and along those lines yeah. uh, offshore fishermen were very similar oh yeah and that they used to use bars of soap and would take them down to the bottom to see exactly what stuck what, to, them. What, what stuck what to, stuck to the them so that they could see what type of bottom that they were fishing and so it's always interesting to talk to some of the old school guys and babe wickelman certainly is one of that and i remember as a kid growing up were you guys like me when you f- saw your first spinnerbait? You went, "Oh, how in the world is this going to catch fish?" Yeah, the shyster. Yeah. I remember the shyster. Yeah, because because I was always a plastic worm guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I thought the plastic worm with the spinners was a <laughs> fluke. And I ended up catching fish on it. Sure. Or the beetle spin. Well, here's yeah. Hank Parker talking about his first experience with a spinnerbait. Yeah, the the first time I can remember just being blown away uh, was uh, the spinnerbait. The first time I ever saw a spinnerbait, I thought, yeah, right, uh, Zorro <laughs> Aggravator out of Nashville, Tennessee, Stan Sloan, and we had a, a local guy. I wanted to catch an eight-pound bass worse than anything in the world for us. You guys in Florida, 10 pounds of the ultimate trophy, but in North Carolina where I lived, eight pounds was a big 
high water mark, and I wanted to catch one so bad. This guy had three. He had three eight pounders one day, or three over eight. One of them was almost nine. And wow. He showed me the bait. I begged him. I was 15 years old, and I begged him. He said, Come on. He, I followed him out to his boat, and he showed me this bait, a Zorro aggravator. And I said, You're right. <laughs> That's it. And he gave me one yelling. I had this little trailer on it, looked like a chicken foot. He hooked that thing on there, and he turned the skirt around backwards, you know. He said, this is what I, the way I do it. And I looked at that thing, I thought, okay, this is the deal. So uh, I went down to the lake. I didn't have a boat. I was on the boat dock, and the first cast I made with that thing, I reeled it up there where I could watch it, and about a six-pound bass came up there, took it right off the top, and I was blown away. Mm. So that was my first experience of getting Shazam. Not 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 wild. Shazam! Classic. Yeah. You know, and Kevin, when we have guests on, it's amazing that every guest we have on, you've got a thirst to know. I do. What kind of broadhead I, it, it do you me. use? Yeah, I mean, and I wish that every show that I watched on TV right. would let me know what kind of broad. Now, a lot of times they're sponsored, but there's a lot of times they're not. You oh, know? yeah. I, I want to know what their favorite broadheads are. And we slow, sometimes will DVR shows uh-huh. and slow-mo to see what equipment <laughs> that they have and what kind of broadhead sure. that they have. And we asked Gary LaVox about broadheads. I shoot a rig, but I think I, I saw that infomercial on the Outdoor Channel like two, a week or two ago mm-hmm. with, the, with the swacker. Yeah. And I was blown away because I, they were shooting the exact same bow, exact same poundage, the exact same thing, and just shooting it through one of those gel molds with like a... With a cow bone set up in front of it, and I saw him shoot muzzies, and I saw him shoot rage, and I saw him. I I was blown away by that swacker. So I may shoot that this year. I may shoot a swacker. Well, and and Hank Parker is the guy that saw the technology sure. and the swacker, met the guy, and said, "Hey, I gotta have it." And here's Hank Parker talking about the swacker. It is the most incredible broadhead. It's very very simple. And you look at it and you think, why in the world did I not think of this? I mean, it's one of those kind of uh, uh, products. And when I saw it for the first time, I knew that that was the broadhead I wanted to shoot because I immediately recognized it was a lot like a Vortec broadhead that I had been shooting, except the blades were an inch further back and had rear deploy so you could take quartering shots. And that's something that I had, I had gone to the expandable broadheads 10 years before because I'd had so much more success on recovery. So when I saw the the Sonoran, which is now the Swacker, for the first time, I said, man, that is the perfect broadhead. It'll do everything that the expandable I'm now shooting will do, but it will allow me to take quartering shots. And I learned so much more uh, that it gave me more benefits. Fresh cutting blades because of the way the wing blades open prior uh, on impact, and so you have fresh cutting blades, you get better penetration. Lots of benefits that you get that I didn't realize. I just recognize that it'll do what my expandable's doing now, and it'll allow me to make quartering shots. And it gave me a lot more than that as I started shooting it, and I'm, I'm totally sold on it. Well, one of the things that really impressed me was when you took that sheet of plywood, oh, yeah. which just, you know, you, you're talking about a piece of slick wood, and you're going, uh-uh, that's not, that's not going to work. And I saw you do that, and I was like, wow, that's incredible. 
we have had we when we first did that, we had so many people write us letters and threaten to sue us. Some of them worked and were affiliated with other broadhead companies, and they said that is a big farce. That can't happen. You can't do that. And uh, they would call you up or write you a letter or an email and uh, threaten to sue you, and then you wouldn't hear anything else about it. And then six months later, somebody said, yeah, oh, so-and-so, he tried that. Man, he couldn't believe that really worked. <laughs> well, and, and, I'm, and a believer. I'm, I'm a believer because I, I, I haven't shot enough deer with a, with a bow to know. Right. But I actually had gotten some schwackers from, from our good friend Bobby Holslander, uh-huh. who worked with Hank, and, and gave them to a friend of mine who went to Colorado. And he's a diehard hunter, has killed multiple deer. And, and he came back and he said, Oh my gosh! You're not gonna believe the performance I got out of that Schwacker broadhead. Yeah, uh, got an elk and a mule deer, and he said the blood trails were incredible. All right, killed my biggest deer this year, Schwacker. And they ain't been, a sponsor but... of us. <laughs> I wish they were. Here on the Hunt Life Outdoor Show with me, Jeff Logman, Kevin Favor, Kirk Waltz, and Merry Christmas to everybody. We got one more segment right after this, and uh, I don't know if we're gonna play any clips or not. We'll talk. We'll just be like Santa. Here you go. Okay. I like it. As a hunter, we all know that perfect morning. You wake up early before the sun, you have a cup of coffee, grab some snacks, and start towards your stand. You have waited for this morning all year. The wind's perfect, the temperature's just right, and the bucks are in full rut. You sit in the dark, straining your ears for any little noise. The sun finally starts to filter through the trees, then it happens. A doe comes by you on a fast trot. You immediately clip your release to your bow because you know he is coming. You hear a loud grunt and see antlers. It's a buck, a big buck. You stand up trying not to concentrate on the antlers. Your hands are shaking. You can't control the trembling in your knees. You draw the bow back praying the buck continues down the trail. But as big bucks do, he turns. Your heart sinks. You have a decent shot, but not one you're comfortable with. You decide to let him go. Even though you're disappointed, you can't help but think just how cool that was. The folks at Hunt Life, they know how you feel. That's why they started Hunt Life, so we can share our outdoor experiences with each other. If you know this feeling, visit HuntLife.com, because Hunt Life knows it's all about the outdoor experience. America's number one camo pattern just got better. All new Breakup Infinity from Mossy Oak. Six layers of detail give it great depth of feel. 12 years of research give it unequaled, effective design. Together, they break up Hunter's outline like never before. Check it out in stores or online at mossyoak.com. Break up infinity for Mossy Oak. It's not a passion, it's an obsession. We know the future of hunting depends on our nation's youth. But did you know that in many states, it's illegal for you to take your son or daughter hunting until the age of 12 or even older? As a result, we have fewer young hunters, and the Families of Field program is designed to eliminate those barriers. Hunting is safe, and the safest hunters of field are young people with adult mentors. Visit our website at familiesoffield.org to find out how you can bring more families afield. And now, back to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. And welcome back, and we're all here today, and it's the Christmas time of year, so yes, we're all it is. pretty close to home, and it's me, Jeff Logman, Kevin Faber, and Kirk Waltz, and you know, we've had a lot of outstanding guests throughout the years, and, yeah. and, and you know what, I mean, we've been doing this radio gig for how many years now, 16, is that right? Uh, in our 15th year, yeah. 15 years, yep. coming up wow. on 
yeah. on, on 15. That's incredible, yeah. isn't it? You yeah. know, and, and, I, and whether we have somebody that's known or not known, you know, to the folks across the country, uh, I enjoy l- talking to people and and just learning sure. from different people in the outdoors, no matter what they do, no matter they're a celebrity or, a celebrity or not. And then all the clips that we play today are most of the people people know. Right. But, you know, take the time, folks, to talk to other people in the outdoors because you can really learn a lot. You sure can. You can always learn something new. Absolutely. And it, it's like you said, Jeff, it, it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter if they're a construction worker or, you know, country star. No. They, they all have the exact same passion. You know, they all they all put on the camo and they all go sit in the tree stand and, and they're all looking for a big buck or, you know, duck hunt, whatever. And it's, it's the, interesting. And, and with it being Christmas time, you know, you always learn about gear and stuff. And, by the way, I want to send a thank you to you, Kevin uh-huh. Faber. I talked a couple of weeks ago about my uh, Arctic blanket, boot blanket Moon thingies. Boots. Yeah, Moon the cold boots, feet yeah. thing. Kevin gave me a set to keep my piggies warm. <laughs> there you go. I gave him. I, I had a set, and I was like, dude. And, and, and they're great for gun hunting. Oh. Great for gun hunting. Well, and, and I've, I've got them. Yeah. And if it will ever get cold here in the southeast, <laughs> I might have to break them yeah, out. Exactly. But our forecast is looking kind of warm. It is looking kind of warm. But that's all right. Yeah. That's all right. And I'm, I'm looking forward to Christmas Day because you know what? Santa Claus is coming to town. Yes, he I've is. I've got an 11-year-old. You've got kids, Kirk. Yep. Kevin, you've got kids. Absolutely. And when Santa comes to town, there's nothing better nope. than that. Nope. Nope. You know, Absolutely not. I, I remember, Until the American Express bill comes <laughs> in the next month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing. The older get, they get, Oh yeah. the bigger those things get. Woo, isn't that the truth? The gifts get a little bit more pricey. Yes, they do. Well, and, and folks, tune in next week because next week we're going to continue to, to kind of relive some of the moments that we had from 2011 with some of the outstanding guests here on the Hot Life Outdoor Show. And, and everybody have a, a wonderful and Merry Christmas yes. and a safe and happy New Year if those that miss us next week. Yep. But we'll talk to everybody next week, same time, same place. Thank you for listening to the Hunt Life Outdoor Show. Be sure to check out the very latest in the Hunt Life by logging on to HuntLife.com. The Hot Life Outdoor Show is a product of Hot Life Productions. Copyright 2011.